Hello, welcome to the Market Weekly podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined this week by Justin Winter, Portfolio Manager with Impacts Asset Management, and he manages their water strategy. And as we think about all the changes that have taken place over the last year with the arrival of COVID and the pandemic, a lot of the changes have really just accelerated trends that were already in place. And one of those trends has been the transition from what I think it's safe to call was a more depletive economic model, uh, where countries perhaps focused on growth and didn't pay enough attention to the negative social and environmental costs of that growth, to what we hope will become a more sustainable economic model, where, of course, we still have growth, but with a focus on improving the social and environmental outcomes. And I think you can see this idea encapsulated in the phrase of building back better. And then if we think about how COVID-19 in particular has impacted that transition, uh, certainly we've become much more aware of systemic risks, which even in the past we may have thought of them, but they always seemed quite remote. Well, now certainly with the pandemic, those risks are quite immediate. And I think it helps us to think more closely about other systemic risks, such as climate change, biodiversity, cyber risk, which of course has recently been in the news as well. The pandemic has also exposed supply chain vulnerabilities, which is something, again, we had already been thinking about as we see to some degree a transition away from the globalization of the last decade or so thinking more closely about how people are treated in their jobs and the vulnerabilities that they face. We think about how social distancing may have long-term impacts on our behavior and what that might mean for business models, for investment in infrastructure. And of course, one of the biggest accelerations of a transition is towards an even more digital economy, where over the last year, we've seen this move towards entertainment at home, uh, buying at home, and a lot of these things we anticipate will persist even after, hopefully soon, we're able to resume a somewhat more normal existence. Another aspect of this is we've seen with the funds, particularly that the EU has provided to help this building back a better project, up to a third of the EU's $750 billion COVID-19 recovery package is being allocated towards meeting green objectives. In addition, the EU taxonomy, which guides the allocation of this capital, is expanding to include the protection of water, which will relate to what we're gonna discuss today. And in general, we expect an increased focus by consumers, governments, and regulators on areas such as water quality, hygiene, and food safety standards. With that then, uh, let's turn now to our guest speaker, Justin. What are the investment opportunities that you see in the water space? Thanks, Daniel. It's great to be speaking with you today. So just as a, as a brief introduction, Impact's asset management has been investing in what we call the transition to a more sustainable economy uh, for over 20 years. And during that time, part of our focus on environmental markets has always involved water. And at the moment, we think that we're in a a really interesting and exciting spot for investing. So it's been an area that's been great for investors over that sort of couple of decades so far. And at the point now, it looks sort of it looks particularly 
Interesting. So when we think about investing in the water space, there are, there are three broad areas for us. There's water infrastructure, water treatment, and water utilities. And we'll probably today talk a bit more about water infrastructure, because that's particularly important at the moment in terms of what we expect for the next few years on the growth side of things. But importantly, when we think about the opportunities in this space, there are lots of opportunities in the developed markets, such as North America and Western Europe, but also in emerging markets. So when we think about the growth of markets such as China and India and other parts of the world, as they grow richer and develop, they need a lot more water infrastructure and wastewater treatment. So you think about you know tens of millions of people moving from the countryside into the cities, that concentrates demand for drinking water, which means that it needs to be transported and cleaned for them to use. But also on the wastewater side, it puts a lot of stress on the local environment. So they need to treat that and they need to build all the facilities that go along with treating that. So there are lots of growth opportunities for investors in water to meet that demand for services. And in addition, you've got ongoing demand in the developed parts of the world as well. So the great thing about investing in water is that we always need it and we're always going to need it. So it's not just used for drinking water or for irrigation. If you look around you, everything that you see has had water involved in producing it, whether it's on smartphones or laptops. So a, a smartphone might take a thousand litres of water to make. They use ultra pure water in the production of the semiconductors. If you think about clothing or clothing needs water to make it and even paper. So a sheet of paper will take about 10 litres of water to produce. So it's needed everywhere in the economy. It's not going to be disrupted by technology. It's not like CDs or DVDs where some new technology is going to come along and displace it. We're always going to use water. We always have and we always will. There's a finite amount of water in the world and there's increasing demand for it. So that gives a good backdrop to investing in the providers of solutions to that. So companies who provide solutions to the use of water sustainably going forwards are going to have a great environment into which they're into which to sell their, their goods and services. So when we think about infrastructure investment, we think about emerging economies, but in, in developed economies, there's been an ongoing underinvestment in infrastructure. And we've really seen the, the strains of that come through in a number of different areas. One high profile area was in the city of Flint in Michigan near Detroit. And about five or six years ago, it came to light that water that was going into the public drinking water system wasn't being treated properly. And that meant that lead that used to be used in pipes connecting people's houses and businesses to the network. So the lead was leaching into the water that they were drinking. And that has very serious health implications for young people in particular, for children in particular. It has long-term health impacts. It has impacts on, on neurological development. It, it, you know, lead was banned in most uses in the 1970s for that reason. But there is a lot of lead still in the water network in places like Flint and many other cities in the US. And that is an area that is going to need to be addressed. 
thanks, Justin. Of course, along with COVID and the pandemic, the other quite significant transition that's taking place right now is the political one in the U.S., which has been, uh, I think it's safe to say, somewhat bumpy. We're looking forward, I imagine, all of us to the 20th of January. How do you anticipate the result of the U.S. election will impact investment in water infrastructure? So following the you know, initial results, I guess, in November, and then we knew there were going to be the runoffs in the two Senate seats in, in Georgia, our expectation at that time was that there would be a divided government with the Democrats controlling the presidency and the House, but not controlling the Senate. Having a divided government makes it more difficult for you know initiatives to be pursued, whoever's in control. With the Democrats now taking both of those Senate seats, we think that that is much more positive for investment in the US. So that would mean that at a time when interest rates are very low, and when there, you know, there's certainly been a lot of talk about bipartisan support for infrastructure spending for addressing this underinvestment that's been going on for many decades. We think conditions are as good now as they've been for many, many years to address the problems. And that would mean doing things like having active programs to replace the lead service lines that still exist in many places and are an ongoing potential health risk to a lot of people. It also means more generally on climate change, so addressing the risks from climate change. So that, of course, means changing the energy system, but it also means building more resilience into the US and, of course, other places around the world. And that can often involve lots of stuff that seems quite boring, like on the water infrastructure side of things, it will mean, you know, climate change brings with it higher intensity rainfall events and then to prevent flooding downstream from those events there needs to be more stormwater retention built in so you know we invest in companies that provide those sorts of facilities so preventing flooding to do with the changing climate and also better monitoring of catchment areas so that the flooding is better understood and controlled as it goes through we expect there to be an acceleration in spending to address those issues going forwards and that touches many businesses not just the equipment providers but also the consultants who are providing advice to them and all of those sorts of things so we expect more investment there we would expect the lead lines, as I mentioned, to be um, addressed. But also there are many places in the US still where there's very poor infrastructure, and particularly in the Deep South, many of the poorer communities in the Deep South that don't have adequate sewer systems and all of these basic things that are taken for granted. And you have, in many places, diseases that are more commonly associated with very, very poor countries. We would expect to see more movement there to address those problems that have been addressed for many decades. So overall, in terms of the water space, we keep a, a rating system on how positive we see legislation and policy across different water subsectors. And following the results of the Georgia elections, we think things are as positive as they've been for many years there in terms of expectations for an acceleration in spending. So you mentioned increased spending in the US, we anticipate increased spending in Europe as well, but we also may be seeing increased regulation, which I would imagine uh, creates risks as well as opportunities. 
what do you anticipate will be the impact of new regulation on investors? On the water side of things, we think that the impact of regulations generally is much more positive. There's certainly been over the past four years an administration in the US that has not been in keen on even enforcing existing regulations. And there are a number of things that haven't been addressed in that time that we think now will be addressed. So one of those things is a group of chemicals called PFAS or, or forever chemicals. And they were used in firefighting foam and other applications such as waterproofing over many years. And what has become better understood is that you know, exactly the same qualities that make those chemicals good for waterproofing also mean that they persist in the environment for a long time and they get into the water supply and they can have significant health impacts. So this has been recognised as a problem in many of the states in the US. There hasn't been an overarching national policy to address it. And we think with the incoming administration that that will be a, a priority area. And this is a big it's a big potential area. You think about it like asbestos or, or something like that. Like it's a very prevalent chemical, not just in the US, but, you know, in most of the developed worlds, lots of airports around the world are already addressing this contamination, whether that's in places like Australia or in Germany and France, many, many places. But a national policy in the US, we think, will be a key driver to addressing the problem. And in terms of the companies that we invest in that provide solutions, that touches on a really broad number of them. So that includes companies who make testing equipment that allow you to test if, if the contaminant is there, companies who run the laboratories that test for the pollutant, companies that provide solutions to remove it when it is detected, consultants who provide advice and help write regulations and plans to take it out of the water supply. So this is an example of something that you know we would call emerging contaminants. So areas where there becomes increased awareness of a problem that then will be dealt with. So microplastics is another similar area where there's a growing awareness. And you know the great thing about what we do at Impacts is we're looking for the companies that provide solutions to these problems. And we look for companies that, in providing those solutions, can have great businesses that then you know provide good profits for investors. So, you know, having invested in the space for over twenty years, we've got a good grasp of, you know, not not just the sorts of problems that are coming in the solution providers, but also the trajectory of some of those solutions and some of the risks around, you know, how to price things. Sometimes there's an expectation that things will happen more quickly than they do. And other times, you know, that you sort of reached a point where, where things are going to accelerate quickly. So that as an institution impacts knowledge around that, which helps us as investors. And, you know, it's part of the reason why we've developed quite a good track record in terms of investing. But yeah, on, on the regulation side of things, we would expect PFAS or forever chemicals as they're known to be a key area. Thanks very much, Justin. You shared with us the three areas that you look at within the water space, infrastructure, treatment, and utilities. And you pointed out that one of the appeals of the sector is that there are opportunities both in developed and emerging markets. Another appeal of water as an asset class is that it is less susceptible to the disruptions that we've seen in many other businesses over the years. And also 
as we think about the implications of the political transition that's taking place in the U.S. right now, single party control of the Congress and the presidency should be positive for increased investment in the water sector. And another positive aspect will be the enforcement of existing regulations or perhaps even new regulations around water infrastructure and treatment and utilities. Well, that's all for today. If you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. My thanks again to Justin for sharing his insights. Please join us next week when I'll be joined by Guy Davis to discuss investment opportunities and equities in 2021. Until then, take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.